Hi everyone, my name is Serena and today I'll be reading the Bible with you. Today's passage comes from the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 9 verse 1 to 12. Here at Providence we always look forward to opening God's word together. Life can be confusing and difficult in certain seasons or maybe in particular areas of struggle but God doesn't just sit there to watch us burn. He gives us the Bible, a light to guide us in the dark. Sometimes the light is warm and comforting and sometimes it can be bright and confronting. So let's find out which kind God has in store for us today. This is Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 1 to 12. A common destiny for all. So I reflected on all this and concluded that the righteous and the wise and what they do are in God's hands. But no one knows whether love or hate awaits them. All share a common destiny, the righteous and the wicked, the good and the bad, the clean and the unclean, those who offer sacrifices and those who do not. As it is with the good, so with the sinful. As it is with those who take oaths, so with those who are afraid to take them. This is the evil in everything that happens under the sun. The same destiny overtakes all. The hearts of people, moreover, are full of evil, and there is madness in their hearts while they live, and afterward they join the dead. Anyone who is among the living has hope. Even a live dog is better off than a dead lion. For the living know that they will die, but the dead know nothing. They have no further reward, and even their name is forgotten. Their love, their hate, and their jealousy have long since vanished. Never again will they have a part in anything that happens under the sun. Go, eat your food with gladness and drink your wine with a joyful heart, for God has already approved what you do. Always be clothed in white and always anoint your head with oil. Enjoy life with your wife, whom you love, all the days of this meaningless life that God has given you under the sun, all your meaningless days. For this is your lot in life, and in your toilsome labour under the sun. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. For in the realm of the dead, where you are going, there is neither working, nor planning, nor knowledge, nor wisdom. I have seen something else under the sun. The race is not to the swift, or the battle to the strong, nor does food come to the wise, or wealth to the brilliant, or favour to the learned. But time and chance happen to them all. Moreover, no one knows when their hour will come. As fish are caught in a cruel net, or birds are taken in a snare, so people are trapped by evil times that fall unexpectedly upon them. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you speak to us through it, that your word, even though it was written thousands of years ago, it's still so relevant to us today. And we pray, Lord, as we read it and understand it, uh, we pray that you will work through it and that you'll speak to our hearts and that you'll move our hearts to not only know you deeper, but to live for you and to live lives that glorify you as you called us to in your word in the Bible. So we do pray for that today in your name. Amen. Have you ever read a, a fictional book that has made you emotional? Like I've read books all my life, right? But it, it's usually for information or it's, you know, nonfiction books, it's academic papers in uni, biographies of people, perhaps articles. You know, we, re we do that all the time. We don't have the attention span, so we just read articles. Yeah, sure. When I was young, I, I read comic books. I read Harry Potter books at most, you know, that was the extent of my reading though. I never really read fictional books. I'd rather play video games or watch movies. 
Um, but recently, I've got my hands on these fantasy books, right? There's these fantasy fictional books uh, recommended from our good friend Owen. And wow, look, I know many of you might not enjoy reading, but these books have just, just I've been so engrossed in them. Like they've, they've been so good. You know how you you read a story that's so good that you're so engrossed. It's like a it's like a Netflix movie or or a, a great TV series. You get so swept up in the character development and the storyline. And I didn't know books could do this to me. I'm reading this trilogy. It's gone over six or nine books or something like that. And I'm so caught up in this. And I'm reading about this guy who who was this assassin for the king, and he has this magic where he can bond with beasts, and he has this pet wolf. And he has his mind linked with this wolf. They go on hunts together. They journey together. They protect one another until one day the wolf in his old age dies quietly in his sleep lying next to him. And I read this and man, it's, it's one of the saddest farewells. I was not expecting it at all. All of a sudden, I'm reading this and I'm getting emotional as I turn each page. I'm holding back tears as I read a fictional book, a fictional story. And I'm thinking, never has words on a page of a book affected me so much, but it has. Because death sucks, doesn't it? And the thought of it sucks, and it makes us emotional. We watch a movie or a TV series, and when we built a connection with a character like, like Iron Man, and for some reason he happens to die, we feel it, don't we? We get emotional. We feel the sadness of losing a, a loved one like the character's in the stories that we read, because we know how real it is. We know death robs us of joy and life, our goals, our ambitions, our relationships, our very purposes that we attach to life itself. Death takes that all away. Death makes us emotional. Death makes us anxious. Death reminds us that we're mortal, finite, and not in control. Today, we're going to consider how does knowing uh, meaning and purpose in this short life help us face the tragedy and reality of death? Now, let me be upfront. No one likes talking about death. I don't like talking about it. No one wants to trigger those emotions of grief. Some of us have had to deal with death before. No one wants to be a downer or a killjoy. Uh, culturally, just some people just don't think it's a good thing to talk about death because it might bring it about so sooner. It's like superstitions. Culturally, some are told we, we need to have a positive, can-do attitude. Be positive. Don't talk about death. Just talk about living your best life now. But we need to. We need to talk about hope and the joy of life, yes, but we're living in times of a pandemic. We also need to talk about the reality of death. It's always in the news, isn't it? And so it happens that this chapter of Ecclesiastes, in chapter 9, it brings us face-to-face -face with that very real event that we'll all one day share. You see, we're at chapter 9 now and getting towards the end of the book. There's only 12 chapters in Ecclesiastes, but we've heard the teacher who is he's speaking and teaching on topics like meaning of life and work and, and pleasure, the cycles of life. Last week, we heard about how we look for, money, for meaning in money, but it never seems to satisfy. Why? Ultimately, all the activities we look for in life, whether it is pleasure or relationships, status, health, work, finances, fitness, being the smartest, being wise and being wise or being foolish, all the things that we believe might fulfill us never actually do. They never actually last. Money, money doesn't last. <laughs> naked into this world we come, naked we leave. And lastly, we heard about that in chapter five. 
And we're doing this overview of Ecclesiastes and we're here in chapter 9 thinking about this topic of death because death is something we really need to grapple with. Death comes for all of us. And that's how chapter 9 starts, doesn't it? It's the common destiny, the same same destiny we all have to face. And so let's read it together again. Chapter 9 verse 1 says this. So I reflected on all this and concluded that the righteous and the wise and what they do are in God's hands. But no one knows whether love or hate awaits them. All share a common destiny. The righteous and the wicked, the good and the bad, the clean and the unclean, those who offer sacrifices and those who do not. As it is with the good, so with the sinful. As it is with those who take oaths, so with those who are afraid to take them. This is the evil and everything that happens under the sun. The same destiny overtakes all. The hearts of people, moreover, are full of evil, and there is madness in their hearts while they live, and afterward, they join the dead. We all have the same destiny. That's the first thing he wants us to see. You see, he's riffing off what he's already said about the wise and the foolish in in previous chapters, and he begins by saying it doesn't matter if you're wise. There are some things you won't know will happen. You won't know whether love or hate awaits you. you. You could also say here, you won't know whether good or evil will befall you. You could try your best to have peaceful relationships and do good in our world, but bad stuff can still happen to you, right? Even the most wisest of men and women, love or hate, good or evil, no matter who we are, our experiences always will be mixed. And we heard about it in week three, didn't we? Chapter three, there will be a time to love, a time to hate, a time for war, a time for peace, a time for all sorts of things. We're going to experience many things in this short life. Yeah, be wise, but even the wise won't know when love or hate will come. It's humbling, isn't it? I mean, we can all agree, we can all make the same statement, we don't know what will happen tomorrow. We don't know what will happen in our future. Sure, we have hindsight. We can look back and say, I wouldn't have made those decisions before COVID-19 if we knew COVID-19 was gonna happen. But we can also agree, don't we? We can all agree on one thing, we all face the same destiny, don't we? Whether you live like an evil dictator all your life, or you spent it as a righteous, good Samaritan, whether you've been making sacrifices, taking oaths, that's what he says here, because he's using these examples of what righteous people, people with integrity would do, whether you feel clean or unclean, whether you feel like you lived a good life or a rotten life, he uses this phrase. He says, there's an evil under the sun. We've heard this again and again. It's basically saying there's a misery, an evil, a misery that happens in this world, a destiny we all have to face. Death comes for us all. It's the great equalizer for humanity, isn't it? Death doesn't discriminate. Your ethnicity, it won't save you, friends. Your privilege, it won't rescue you. Male or female, young or old, whether you're part of the elite living the rich and the famous lifestyle, or you're a pleb living in the slums, trying to get by on food stamps in the projects, rich or poor, one day, you and I, we're all going to face the same end. The breath will leave our lungs. Our hearts will stop beating. Our minds, our thoughts will come to an end. We're all at the mercy of death. It's true. Nothing is certain in life except death and taxes. You've heard that phrase before, haven't you? There is no miracle formula to immortality. No elixir of youth. No potion that will grant you full immunity to death. The grim reaper is coming for all of us. (laughs) But it's something we need to talk about. It's something we need to talk about even more with what's happening in 2020. It's tragic what our world is going through, isn't it? My heart goes out to so many people who have lost their loved ones. 
As of Friday this week, there were over 5 million around the world that has been confirmed to have contracted coronavirus. The news tells me that it was, that's over 328,000 in the world that have died from it. That's a huge number of people that have died suddenly. No one likes to talk about death, but we have to talk about it. It's an uneasy feeling. It's an awkward conversation. But there are loved ones around us who we should be talking about, talking to about if death were to happen unexpectedly or suddenly. I read an article the other day on this very topic by a well-known doctor and author, Dr. Sunita Puri in the New York Times. She titled the piece, It's Time to Talk About Death. It's about how the coronavirus pandemic highlights how much we need to have conversations that talk about end-of-life care. She writes it uh, in it about how she has had to have conversations with families about their members who are suddenly facing their last hours, and she hears it all the time. The family replies, we don't know what they would want. We've never talked about it. We didn't think this would ever happen. And isn't it true? Isn't that the thought that crosses our minds? I don't want to cause anxiety but it's a reality that we have to deal with. We don't know the hour. It comes unexpectedly. We need to talk about death because it is the common destiny. It's the fate for all of us. We aren't in control when it'll come. Now go look up that article if you want, but start the conversation. I mean, you can use this sermon if you want to segue into a conversation with your loved ones. But this is the first thing the teacher wants us to grasp hold of. We all share the common destiny, whoever we are. Hold on to that truth and hear what he says in verse 4. Anyone who is among the living has hope. Even a live dog is better off than a dead lion. For the living know that they will die, but the dead know nothing. He probably needs to tell someone who's reading this, don't rush off to die. I mean, he's pretty blunt about it. Living is still better. Appreciate the life you've been given. Because once you die, that's it. Death is a long time. Death means that there's no more enjoying this life. No more enjoying the gifts that we get to enjoy in this world. He says that, a live dog is better than a dead lion? What does he mean by this? I mean, to be honest, like, I think that's true. I read this in my context. My dog Simba, he's spoiled as. He's like the crown prince in our home, right? Of course being a live dog is better than a dead lion. But that's how we care about pets. That's how we care about our pet dogs. Dogs in the ancient Middle East culture, they were seen as rabid, dirty, unclean animals. They ate scraps in the streets. Lions, though. Lions are majestic. They're majestic and mighty creatures and he's saying you're still better off being a dirty dog than a dead lion some people will say be like the lion die with honor with your dignity intact but the teacher here is saying no just live self-preserve even if you're a dog on the street because death death sucks there's no coming back from death no more experiences no more reward no love hate jealousy he says all that vanishes death robs us of all our hopes our dreams and our ambitions no matter how miserable your life is, whether you've lost hope in living, friends, wisdom tells us this, it's still better. It's still better to live while you can. Keep living, he says. Make much of the life that you've been given because once you're dead, that's it. It's precisely what he turns to. Death is the destiny for us all. Yeah, that's the first thing he wants us to know. But he says also make the most of the right now. Verse 7. Read it with me. Go, eat your food with gladness and drink your wine with a joyful heart. For God has already approved what you do. Always be clothed in white and always anoint your head with oil. Enjoy life with your wife whom you love all the days of this meaningless life that God has given you under the sun. All your meaningless days. For this is your lot in life. 
and in your toilsome labor under the sun. Whatever your hands find to do, do it with all your might. For in the realm of the dead, where you are going, there is neither working, nor planning, nor knowledge, nor wisdom. The other day we asked our missional community uh, that, uh, to put yourself on a spectrum, right? Whether you're someone who lives in the past, the present, or the future. The majority of, of my group, at least, they live in the future. And, and if you are someone who does, like myself as well, how much of your language is this? You, you often say to yourself, one day I'm going to do this. One day I'm going to uh, accomplish this. One day this will happen. One day I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to quit my job and pursue something else. Become a photographer or become an artist or something. One day I'm going to, you know what? I'm going to spend more time with my family. One day I'm going to be better at loving my family. One day I'm going to, I'm going to be better at caring for my church. One day I'm going to start serving at church. One day. And we, and we talk like this, don't we? Why? Why, do, why are we like this? We don't know what the future brings, but we keep thinking we can plan it. We keep thinking we're going to have control of it. The teacher here says, make the most of today. Go and eat and drink and be glad. Enjoy your relationships now. Enjoy your wife, the family that you love, that are around you. Because you only have so many days in this meaningless life, he says. We don't know what tomorrow brings. We can't change the past. It's already happened for those of us who are the more nostalgic types, those who are always living in the past. We can't change that. And so we will resist living in the present, won't we? Because we just keep dwelling on the past. The past was better. For some of us, we're just thinking of the future. The future will be better. We'll improve in the future. It will get better one day. So isn't it true, friends? Whether we're, we're people that live in the past or in the future, we struggle to make the most of the present. I mean, we struggle to make most of the, the gifts that God has given to us today. And we resist it, don't we? We resist the times and we try to relive the past or daydream into the future and we move our hearts away from what God gives us today. We resist our hearts from God himself and the good things he gives us. I mean, isn't it common that you'll hear from parents that they regret not spending more time with their kids when they were young? Don't we often hear husbands who regret taking that job that made them have to travel a lot in the early years of their marriage? Don't we often hear from young adults who didn't appreciate their parents enough when they lived at home? Now is the time, friends. Make the most of your life now and the gifts you've been given. Eat and drink with joy. Enjoy the relationships. Enjoy the time, the season that you're in. He says, wear white. Some cultures think wearing white is really for the dead, but he means wear white here uh, as in a way to enjoy good clothing. He says, anoint your head. Another way of just saying, you know, uh, look beautiful. Either way, it's, it's this festive sort of thing. You can enjoy that sort of stuff. Enjoy your wife, enjoy your husband, enjoy your spouse, your family, enjoy your church, enjoy your brothers and sisters in Christ while you can. He's, this is all festive language. Make the most of today. Because you see, the details of our lives have come to us. It's come to us from God himself. And when we understand that, doesn't it change the way we see everything? Doesn't it change? It Doesn't it slow us down? It makes us appreciate the moment. And the gifts that God gives us. Doesn't it give us a bit more peace for our stressful, anxious souls? Doesn't it give us a bit more security knowing we can't be in control, but God is, and that's okay? Doesn't it give us a bit more rest knowing you don't have to carry the world on your shoulders? Doesn't it give us a bit more wisdom that you can approach life with a sense of freedom? Because you have a God who is so much greater than the things that enslave us which always promise much, but deliver so little. 
You see, when we start looking at the God who gives us all these good things, we start realizing we don't have to be anxious about death. We don't have to feel the need to be in control because, frankly, we aren't. And that's okay. Let's read on. Verse 11. It's comforting. Well, let's read it first. Verse 11. I've seen something else under the sun. The race is not to the swift or the battle to the strong. Nor does food come to the wise or wealth to the brilliant or favor to the learned, but time and chance happen to them all. Moreover, no one knows when their hour will come, as fish are caught in a cruel net or birds are taken in a snare. So people are trapped by evil times that fall unexpectedly upon them. Time and chance happens to us all, he says. I mean, that's so real about Allah. He's being so honest, isn't he? No matter who you are, you can spend all your life trying to be the wisest, the the most learned, the, the strongest, the swiftest. But that doesn't mean you're necessarily going to win in life. We think that, don't we? That the, the, the swift will win, win the race, the, the strong will win the battle. But he's being honest. You, know, you, you might have trained all your life. You're fit and you're healthy, but you don't know when sickness or injury is going to come. You might have spent hours on your Instagram account getting followers to one day wake up and find that Instagram have changed all the algorithms and you've lost a ton of your followers. You're losing your stream of income even. You might have worked so hard at chasing that dream of being your own boss, starting your own business. But a pandemic hits and you're out of business and you're, you're on job seeker or job keeper. I mean, that's what's happening to a lot of my friends. Look at what he says. Our world doesn't always make sense the way we want it to. The swift doesn't always win races. The strong doesn't always win battles. The wise don't always get the food on the table. The brilliant I mean, favor doesn't always come to the smart, you know, all these things, the things that human beings so often covet and seek to develop that, you know, they're not bad in themselves. Bodies fit and strong. That's, that's not bad. A mind well-educated and sharp. That's good. They're not they, but you know, they don't bring us any more control of our futures. That's what he's saying here. Things often happen to people that are unforeseen beyond their control. Again, no one saw COVID-19. No one saw that it would bring onslaught that it has in 2020. Most of all, though, we aren't in control when our hour and time is up in this world. It will come, and it may come when we don't expect it. But you know who is in control. There is someone who knows our destiny. There is someone who knows when our hour comes. In Ecclesiastes chapter 7, the teacher says this. 7.14, let me read it to you. When times are good, be happy. But when times are bad, consider this. God has made the one as well as the other. Therefore, no one can discover anything about their future. He's really elaborating on this idea. Enjoy the time we have. And even if we experience bad in this life, there is a God we can look to who has it all in control. The times and the events of our lives are in the palm of his hand. Friends, life often is messy. Friends, life often doesn't make sense, does it? It won't fit our structured plans that we have packed out in our Google calendars. I mean, it really makes us feel so uncomfortable, doesn't it? How do we deal? How can we reconcile that the sovereign good God we trust in also stands behind good and bad things in our lives? How does that make sense to us? How do we make sense of it? See, we can deal with it because we know what our ultimate fate truly is. While we might face a physical death like every other living creature under the sun, we get to live under a God who gives us a life after death. That's going to be our destiny. An eternal life is far greater than 
any good experience that this life could offer us. And now you're wondering, Mikey, you're thinking, Mikey, how can you say, how can you say that with so much certainty? With so much confidence? Let me say this to you. For the Christian whose faith is in grace, the grace and salvation that comes from the Lord Jesus, who died for their sins, the same Jesus who was resurrected, the Christian who trusts in this Jesus can have that confidence. They have that certainty as they live the Christ-centered life that there is something greater to look forward to. They have that hope they can hold on to. Nothing is certain in life. Let me rephrase this. Nothing is certain in life except death and taxes. Well, nothing is certain for me except death, taxes, and the resurrected eternal life that has been gifted to me in Jesus. It's not as catchy, but you're tracking with me, right? That's certain for us. I totally get that so many non, non-church goers. If you're a non-church goer, uh, non-religious, we're worried about death, aren't we? Uh, there's a YouTube clip that, that has been circulating the last few weeks of, of Russell Brand asking Ricky Gervais questions about spirituality and God. They're, they're two celebrities, and they're both very outspoken personalities, but Ricky Gervais has become uh, a bit of a spokesperson for atheism. And he talks about how he found... How, how to find meaning in life and how we should feel about dying from, from this non-religious perspective. And he says that we should just enjoy the life we have. Enjoy the time with your dog, a glass of wine. Enjoy the world in the, in the 70, 80, 90 years that you have in this world. I mean, life is beautiful. Just enjoy it. Enjoy the beauty. Try your best to make it a better place after you leave. And just consider yourself lucky that you have life at all. You know, the world has existed for, for over 13 billion years. It's already passed. You've come into the world, you, you know, to live this life. So when you die, you're just gonna, it's just going to go back into the rest of the timeline and the rest of history. So you'll be right. You've not existed for 13 billion years already. You're not going to exist again, and that's okay. You'll be fine. Don't worry about the afterlife. Death is death. Just deal with it. That's essentially what he says in this clip. Just live this life. Now, I paraphrased that. Watch it on YouTube if you get a chance. But you can see the appeal of it for some. You know, if there is no God, then this is just it. Enjoy this life. It, it echoes some of the wisdom that we find in Ecclesiastes, doesn't it? Enjoy the life that we have now. Eat, drink, and enjoy the rewards that come from your hard work. That's what Ecclesiastes says. But here's the thing. What Ricky Gervais attempts to inject meaning into our pitiful short lives under the sun, it really is revealing, isn't it? It's revealing of how shallow the perspective is. Because not only are the experiences fleeting, like a mist, a breath, death actually robs us of all the beauty that we experience in this life. We spend all our lives trying to find joy to get that, that fit, sculptured body, the beautiful face from our skincare routine, to get the security from wealth or the, the joy in our expensive, shiny new, new gadgets and cars, whatever it might be. But the older we get, the more we see how fleeting it all is, how temporary it all is. We spend all our days trying to chase the wind And then when we think we've grasped hold of it, it just disappears. It vanishes. You know, death comes and it's all over. I mean, it's no wonder people have a midlife crisis, right? Or the quarter-life meltdown that some people have. Because they're realizing how fragile and fleeting and even meaningless life truly is at times. Trust me, after you hit 30, you'll start getting phone calls about life insurance. Every day we get older, right? We get closer to the reality of our mortality and our fragility. We all wish life would slow down. Oh, to be young again, man, I'll be, I wish that all the time. Because death is an evil. It's a misery under the sun. You see what dif- differentiates Ecclesiastes from Ricky Gervais, though? 
is that God gives us meaning and purpose that actually shapes how we see life and death today. God removes the misery of death itself that exists under the sun. We get to live under God. Stop and think about this. Hasn't the repeated word, right, that we've been hearing through this pandemic, through COVID-19, what's the repeated word? I feel so uncertain about the future. There's so much uncertainty. Even, even more so, right? Like we're uncertain about when will the restrictions be lifted? We're, we're, we're uncertain about our job security. We're uncertain about how long our world will be like this. We're uncertain when we can travel overseas again. We're uncertain when things will go back to normal. We're uncertain if we'll get sick. We're, we're simply just uncertain about our futures. You see, people are asking real questions about an afterlife during this time. That's why Ricky Gervais talked about it. You know, we're, we're thinking about this time because people are worried about their futures. Life is short, friends. I mean, but you know, you and I, we can have a confidence, we can have a certainty that when our faith is in the love and grace of Jesus Christ and that faith is being truly lived out, we can be certain our eternal life is secured in Him. Death will not be the end. The Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 15, he actually talks about this, the very reality of death and the misery that comes from it. If you can go there with me, if you have, have your Bibles open, flip to 1 Corinthians 15, verse 32. No matter how much we want to inject meaning to our lives, it's all meaningless in the end, isn't it, without God. We can, we can simply take the advice, enjoy life now, and that's it. Like everyone else, like the, like the secular world we live in. But Paul, 2,000 years ago, he, he realized this. He acknowledged it. If there is no afterlife, then as Ricky Gervais said, just, just enjoy life. But Paul says this in, in, in 1 Corinthians 15.32, which I've asked you to turn to. Let me read it. It says, if the dead are not raised, if there is no afterlife, if there is no resurrection, let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die. He's echoing Ecclesiastes here. Just enjoy life now because death is, is certain. Something we're all going to face. Yet that's not where Paul finishes, is it? The gospel of Jesus transforms everything. Early in chapter 15, he says, if Christ has not been raised, guess what? Your faith is, is futile, <laughs> like life itself. Everything is meaningless. Futility marks a life that ends simply in death. Life is simply just a chase after the wind then, isn't it? But that isn't the case. Christ has been raised from the dead, he writes. You and I who have put our faith in the resurrected Lord Jesus, we share in the eternal resurrected life as well. So here in chapter 15, later on in 50, verse 54 further down, when the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable, the mortal with the immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Man, Jesus is in control, even over death itself. Sin has been removed. Death is not our end. Life is what we'll have for eternity with God because of Jesus. Say goodnight to the grim reaper. We don't have to fear death, friends. Death is not the end. Our labor is never in vain. It goes beyond this life. The resurrection shows us that there is something under the sun that isn't meaningless. It's living your life under God who loves you, who has saved you into eternity. A life, listen to me, the life lived out, a life of worship lived out 
It's acknowledging that we're not our own, that our life belongs to God, who has created us to be on this earth, to enjoy it, and to worship Him by it. You see, it's acknowledging that God has a purpose for me and for you to sing his praises, to rejoice in his name, to have a life honoring my creator and glorifying him. That's our purpose, even in the face of death. Everything is transformed today when we know eternity. Friends, hear me out. We can live now, not just self-preserving or or self-glorifying. Our perspective is too small when it's just about our short lives, when it's all about me. Live lives that are, friends, you can, we can live lives that are fiercely courageous. We can live lives that are even risk-taking for the glory of God and the name of Jesus. We can be empowered. We can have confidence and boldness to live lives that proclaim a greater story, a greater narrative that simply is so much more than a short, fleeting, momentary life under the sun. Man, it's depressing. It's depressing to think that a short 80 years in a 13 billion timeline would even have any meaning. We're just grains of sand. We're just specks of dust. But friends, it's not true. We have a greater story to tell because our lives don't end under the sun. We can live for something greater and go against the grain of culture because our life, our eternity is safe and secure in Jesus. The Apostle Paul again writes to the church in to Philippi in chapter 1. He's in jail, most likely facing death row when he writes this letter to this church in in Philippians chapter 1. He has this courage and his confidence to say this. He says, chapter 1 verse 20, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. Verse 21, for to me, to live is Christ. And to die is gain. Paul gets it. A life that lives in the shadow of death is going to be a life riddled with anxiety and uncertainty. But a life that knows and lives for Christ is far from futile and fleeting. It's a life living for Jesus that prepares us for an eternity that is spent with Jesus. So yes, live today. Enjoy today. Enjoy the good gifts from God's hand. But as we eat and as we drink, as we enjoy our loved ones, as we build new friendships, as we play soccer, watch Netflix, serve the poor and needy, or help a friend move house, or bring food over to parents of newborns, or as we sit in the park and stare at the clouds, as we smell the flowers and appreciate the sunsets, whatever you do, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10.31, he says, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. As I finish, can I give you some encouragement? This last week, we heard the tragic news that Ravi Zacharias died to cancer. If you don't know who he is, he's a hero to many. He's a spiritual giant in the Christian world. He has, uh, by God's grace and by the Spirit, he has led many people to faith. He set up an organization, a worldwide organization called RZIM, with a purpose to evangelize and defend the gospel. He's written many books and he's done many conferences. And his daughter came out with a statement after he died. It was made public on Facebook and she writes this. The Gospel of John records these words of Jesus. Because I live, you also will live. Chapter 14, verse 19. There were seven words that changed the trajectory of Rabbi Zacharias' life some 57 years ago. It's a verse etched on his grandmother's gravestone and it will be etched on his too. 
she writes this, Today my beautiful father is more alive than he has ever been. And we thank God for him and recommit our lives to sharing this truth with all who will hear until he calls us to our eternal home. See, I read that. And isn't it just soaked in confidence? A certainty that the words of Jesus are true and relevant even in the face of death itself. Because I live, you also will live, Jesus says. You see, in the light of the resurrection of Jesus, death has lost its sting, hasn't it? We have a future hope, our fate, our destiny for those who will put our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus. And I want to invite you to do that. We too will one day, we will be called by him. We will be called to our eternal home. Yet while we live today, will you join me? Will you join me to commit or recommit to sharing this truth? To enjoying the good things that God has given us? To do whatever we do to glorify him? Will we share this truth with those around us until the day we are called to our eternal home? Let me encourage you to consider that in your lives. To make the most of today for the sake of God's name, for the sake of his glory. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for your word. We do thank you for Jesus, Lord, who's died for us, who rescues us, who gives us hope, who gives us a future hope, a future confidence and certainty that we're not gonna, it's not going to end in death. And that through his resurrection, he has paved the way for us to have life. That whoever trusts in him and puts our faith in him, we can be with you for eternity. And I do pray that for many of us, many of us who have yet to take that step, many of us who are still unsure. Lord, I pray that you'll do a great work in our hearts. Move our hearts to see the great truth and hope that we have in Jesus. Help us see the beauty of that in the today. Help us not fear death or be anxious about that, but see the great glory that, that awaits us in our eternal home. Lord, we pray that you will work through us and in us so we can live lives that do glorify you in our short lives. In Jesus' name, amen.